Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about witches. No, not the fictional ones with pointy hats and broomsticks, but real people, women mainly, who lived their lives, in this case in Catalonia, and who suffered persecution and even death for no good reason. There's a growing movement across Europe to take another look at the history of witch trials and to acknowledge what actually happened and remember those victims. Coming up, we have an interview with Pau Castell, a historian at the University of Barcelona who has dedicated his career to studying witch hunts. Joining me on today's podcast are Alnry Thrall. Good to see you, Alan. Hi, Lorcan. And a very special guest, Sonia Casas. You're very welcome. Thank you. Sonia, you work with the magazine Sapiens, which is a history magazine published here in Barcelona in Catalan. Mm -hmm. And the latest issue, which actually provided us with the inspiration to do this podcast, is dedicated to witches, or perhaps more accurately, to women who were not witches. That's right. Nowadays, when we think of witches, the stereotypical image that comes into your head is something from Harry Potter, maybe a pointed hat, casting spells... But when we talk about witches um, from hundreds of years ago across Europe and here in Catalonia, what kind of things did people mean when they talked about witches? They were these were normal normal uh, women accused basically of two different uh, type of uh, yeah accusations, no uh, weather disasters and also the the death or murder of uh, children or babies. Uh, we have to think that in the early 14th century start the little ice age. Temperature drop a lot. Huge floods and strong storms happen all across Europe, right? And all this affected, of course, the harvest. It was a, a period of time, a long period of time of deep crisis, economic crisis. There was famine. And, of course, uh, there was a lot of children dying and there was a lot of illness. So there's a connection with this reality and the accusations against these women because it was necessary to find someone to point uh, guilty. These women were a sort of scapegoat. Why we know that, these sort of accusations? Well, Catalonia was the first place in Europe where there was a specific law to judge cases of witchcraft. And in this law is related these accusations, weather disasters, murder, uh, in connection with the devil. Then you can add whatever you want. But basically, these two type of things. No? And this law was written in 1424 uh, in Las Valles d'Aneu. And it's uh, the first law in all of Europe? This is the first law of Europe. And this is very interesting because traditionally it has been said that the witchcraft start in Switzerland and this area of the Alps. Mm -hmm. But we have this document that proves that here in Catalonia the, the witch hunts start very, very early. Okay, so we said the people that were accused of witches, mainly women, they were ordinary people, ordinary women. What, what kind of profile would they have had? Are we able to say? Yes, in the Catalan documentation, because this change depending on the country. But the historical documentation here proves that uh, mainly of these women were in a position of weakness. They were immigrant women. Uh, you have to think that in that period, Catalonia was receiving a lot of immigration from Occitania, southern France. And many of them women were, came from there. 
there were also old single women or widows already. They were not fertile. And basically, yes, this is the profile, the general profile. That's interesting because my kind of hunch or my impression would have been that it might have been more powerful women. So it's really interesting to hear you say that it was kind of the, the, the poor and widows and, and migrants. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about the reasons for that a bit later on. But uh, you at Sapiens have produced this wonderful magazine and there's a campaign as well to go with it. Tell us about that. Yes. What happened is that um, we had two different parts and we decided to put it together. On one hand, we knew that Pau Castell and another historian called Agustil Coverro, they are contributors of our magazine from many, many years ago. They have been working during many years this topic and they had a lot of documentation and a lot of information unpublished. I mean, it was academic, but we wanted to, well, to publish it in, in our magazine and spread it out. So then when we were searching and we were working this, this topic, we uh, find out that many countries in Europe were uh, starting to do a sort of campaigns uh, to vindicate these women. For instance, we, we saw that in Switzerland in 2008, <laughs> it's, it's a long time, they did a, an act to pardon Anna Goldi. Anna Goldi was the last woman accused and persecuted as a witch and killed in Europe. In Germany and in Norway as well, there are movements to, to recover the memory of these of this women. And also in Scotland, in fact, the, the, the campaign Witches for Scotland is the campaign that inspired us yeah. more because they, let's say that they are uh, bringing this campaign a step further and they are asking a public and national apologize, which is, we thought that this it was very interesting. So and we had both things and we decided to put it together, the vindication and the historical research we, we, we had. And the name of the campaign? No eran bruxas, eran donas. Witches. They were not witches. They were women. Okay. They were male as well, persecuted as uh, witches. But the big majority were women. It's obvious that uh, there's a relation of that. I mean, it's not by chance that the majority of, of witches were, were women. And the campaign has been, it has to be said, an overwhelming success. Yes, yes. We, because we, we, we have um, in the website a manifesto and we ask people and institutions as well to sign up this manifesto. And in two weeks, we, we got more than 10,000 uh, signatures. signatures. Yeah. And it's That's incredible amazing. because I, I heard you on the Witches of Scotland podcast that you mentioned, but they couldn't believe yes. <laughs> because their campaign's been going for it a little bit true. longer and they're very happy with how it's going, but it was a bit, bit Yes, they were surprised because it's a huge uh, response. But I have to, to, to admit that the media here, they have helped a lot. They have asked a lot of interviews and and in the, in the TV and this always helps. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's really interesting what you mentioned, that all this research, like it's nothing new, like it already existed. You came up with the idea of like, no, no, we, we need to present this properly, like beautifully and make it easier for people to, to understand. That's and, right. Well, the, well the, that's what Sapiens uh, mm -hmm. has been done for the last 15 years. And it's a very successful magazine and we are very proud of it. It's great work. Uh, so in this particular edition, two historians that did a lot of the groundwork were Agustí Alcoberro and Pau Castell. And Alan, 
this yeah. week you caught up with Pau Castell. Yeah, exactly. I, I talked to, to Pau Castell and well, I think we, we can hear the interview. Let's take a listen. The Catalan sources demonstrate the existence of massive witch hunts in the region during early modern times, the 16th and especially the 17th century. And we are talking about hundreds and even thousands of women accused by their own neighbors as witches and then arrested, tried and uh, finally um, executed by the local authorities. In the more centralized regions of Europe, witch hunts would have been less intense and even non-existent. This is the case of uh, France, for instance, or the crown of Castile. Whilst most of the trials and convictions are to be found in those uh, territories with a, let's say, decentralized legal and judicial system with uh, autonomous courts of justice operating at a local scale, which was obviously the case of Catalonia. Paradoxically, the few women that managed to bring their case in front of the Holy Office of the Inquisition, uh, sitting in Barcelona, they ended up being either absolved, seeing their cases dismissed, or in some cases convicted to minor penances, such as uh, public repentance or temporary banishment. Only in two occasions in the whole history of the Spanish Inquisition, only in two occasions did the Inquisition dictate a death sentence for witchcraft in Catalonia. Our thanks there to Paul Castell from the University of Barcelona. Now, in the magazine, Sonia, we have a map of Europe and it shows lots of numbers in different places. And in Catalonia, we see 1,000. What, what does that mean? Well, that's the estimation that we have, the, the number of women that were accused. Pau, in this case, has identified 700, but more or less he believes that it's going to be like a 1,000 women, which is pretty a lot, comparing, for instance, what happened in Castilla. Mm-hmm. You know? So in Spain, it's almost 2,000. Catalonia was the, the, the place where 1, from there were okay. more uh, persecution and then was Navarra. Which is interesting because when you think of witch hunt, at least in Spain, what, what comes to your mind is Zagaramurdi and, and, and Navarra. I don't think people are really aware of what role or, or how big of a role did Catalonia play yes, in the witch it's hunt. True. It's true, it's true. So what do we know, Sonia, about how these women were accused there were witch hunters there was witch hunters what a figure it's very <laughs> interesting historians have identified several of them we have Joan Malet we have Llorenç Calmell we have Joan Font Cosme Soler from these Bel- are figures Frida. that were famous for hunting witches well they they were well the, the truth is that they finished their days executed right <laughs> this is good because for everything what they did and for their modus operandi, because it was crystal clear, even uh, for in that days, that they were inventing okay. um, the accusations. It's pretty amazing, their coldness, because they travel village to village and they persuade authorities to hire them to identify witches or supposed or alleged witches. What happened? That sometimes they started to have problems when they start pointing women from good families, wealthy families. There's the connection with the poor and women that were alone and with no yeah. uh, Nobody family cared about them. to help mm-hmm. them. So the real problem for these 
witch hunters was when when they point the wrong woman. Okay. Like let's say like this, because this woman had a father or a husband or someone that. So this this is important to to know how it worked. So they had to find witches, otherwise they wouldn't get paid. And they couldn't go after the powerful woman in the towns because they were protected by other people. So they went for the poor and the vulnerable. And also far from the big towns. For instance, you see that in remote villages, it happened more witch hunts than in Barcelona or, or bigger towns. Far from the, um, the authority control, uh, you know, uh, it worked mm-hmm. like that. Like people took justice into their own hands. And there was all kinds of like jobs related to the witch hunt too. It's quite... It's quite yeah, that, that was something amazing when I was reading the magazine, l- learning that people who t- tortured, um, the people who, who, who killed, who, who murdered, were hired to, to kill the, the women sentenced to, to death. Um, surgeons, that was, that was impressive. Surgeons <laughs> who had to make sure that they didn't suffer too much because they didn't want to, to kill them in the process of, of the... Well, while they were torturing them, um, because that was that was a moment when they got names from other alleged <laughs> witches, um, which I guess that they just said whatever names came to their Absolutely. mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a sort of team, let's say, in tri- trial, trials. Uh, there was the torture, there was the surgeon, as you said, there was a lawyer as well. There was a notary. There were the advisors, so it was like a whole, imagine a room with full of people, you know. And what happened there? Many times, uh, because this is explained in many documents, there was a point that women uh, were forced to get naked to find a supposed to do the visual inspection to search the mark of of the devil. Okay, and there are documents that explain that it's a sort of sexual abuse, no? And they question the, the need, the real need of doing that, because imagine, no? Uh, this getting naked in that moment in front of so many people, and you're being inspection and touch. Even there, there's a there's a document that said that there's one of these persons that touched too much. Many times the women just say yes to all the mental imaginations, sexuals, again, of the person that was doing the questions, the lawyer, right? So it was all in the imagination. Were you uh, having sex with the devil? And you were, and, and, and the poor woman was, yes, yes. And she didn't, maybe didn't even know what just she was talking me. about. So it was in the imagination of that man. So it's not only like the physical torture, but like the psychological physical torture psychological, of like no, coming to, to, it, uh, to, to accept or acknowledge things that it never happened just because they are in forcing fact, there, you there to. There were also, the, in, mm-hmm. in the magazine we explained, there was the figure of the, the defense, the lawyer defense that was defending the, the, the women. And, and one thing that it's good is that you are naming a lot of these people, like the, ah, the yes. wheat hunters, some of the defense lawyers, and Some of the women who were prosecuted. This is the the key. I I think that this is one of the keys of the success of the campaign and Mm -hmm. the map and and the documentation that we are providing to the people that these 700 uh, women, we have their name and surname, place of birth, probably the way they were executed or, or what were the accusations against them. And it's very appealing if you are from a yeah. specific town and you see that in your town there was a Margarida, yeah. Yeah. Sala, uh, so you put a name, it's not a number. 
it really brings home the humanity of it. Mm-hmm. Alan, in fact, that's how... Yeah, that's how I learned about the project. A very good friend of mine from Castel Sol, which is next to my hometown, um, she was having a walk around the, the forest and she listened to an interview with you, Sonia. I think you mentioned, you may have mentioned the, the, the case of Elizabeth Sarda, who was yes. killed in, in Castel Terzol. And, and my friend was actually was not far from what's known as the Pladalas Forcas, uh, maybe the, the, the gallows, that's what, how would you, you would right, call so, it. Right. So, so she the was, actual spot yeah, where she was, she was there and, and she was learning about the story of this woman who hundreds of years ago um, was sentenced and, well, probably killed in, in Castel Terzol. And that's when, when, when she contacted me and said, hey, um, you, you should learn about this this story you should read this magazine is very interesting and well here we are <laughs> so mm-hmm. yes. when you mentioned alan there elizabeth serda and we thought it would be interesting if we kind of try to recreate yeah. what her trial exactly. might have looked and sounded like it's a cold february month in 1620 we're in the village of castel Tarsal in central catalonia a two-day trip by foot from barcelona Local authorities have gathered to proceed with the trial of one of the villagers. Elizabeth Serdana, widow of Pere Serda, 50 years old. Do you swear to tell the truth? Yes, I do. Could you tell us when you were arrested and why you are here? Yes, sir. I was detained by the mayor of a nearby village eight weeks ago and... As I understand it, I was I was arrested because some people say I'm a witch, which is a lie. Isn't it true that you were hiding? Sir, I, I ran away because a crowd was coming to my house and my, my family was afraid that they would hurt them too if I stayed, so, so, so I ran and hid by a stream in the forest. But they found me and, and they threw rocks at me. I was hit in the arm and it, and it still hurts, I can barely move it. Didn't you tell them to stop? I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. They, they were friends. I didn't want to anger them even more. Hmm. Are you aware that storms and hail have caused great damage in Castell and other villages? Sir, I, I've seen it. I'm not blind. And have you heard that it's witches who cause such storms? Sir, th- that's what people say. Have you and fellow witches caused these storms? No, sir. Do you know Margarida Mimona, Montserrada Dorius, Joanna Oliver, Guillema Ruberta, Joanna Sol, and Antonia Salamo? Sir, I, I only know the last one. I've heard she was hanged for being a witch. How can you deny knowing them, since they confessed that you joined them and the devil to cause great harm to the village and committed several crimes? No, that's a lie! Have you renounced God and the Virgin Mary? Do you adore the devil and have you had sexual dealings with him? No, never! How can you deny that when we've been informed that five years ago the devil revealed himself in front of you and other witches and you danced and lit black candles and asked him to cause storms and you were all naked and riding the devil? 
I didn't write the devil. I stand by God and Virgin Mary. But you met again two years ago in Caldas and last May in Monbui and 15 years ago, more or less, in a mountain between Caldes and Artes and three years ago in Gaifa and in the summer of 1617 in a hill near Plegamans and the devil revealed himself and you adored him. Sir, I, I don't understand anything. Have you poisoned children and cattle? No, sir, I I have nothing to do with that. Despite her testimony, the local court gave more credibility to the accusations of fellow villagers, and Sodana was found guilty of witchcraft. Still, a few days after the trial, she was summoned to speak again, this time by the means of torture. But that was not necessary. You don't have to torture me, please. I will tell the truth. I will give you I will give you all the names. One of those names was Joana Carrera, also from Castelterzol, whose trial took place over the same days. Unlike Elizabeth Sardana, Carrera stood by her original testimony and faced a long torture until she gave in and accepted all accusations. But in both cases the sentence was the same death at the gallows. So that was the story of Elizabeth Serda. And Alan, the local council actually have plans to honour her in some way. Yeah, I talked to um, Regali from, from Castelterzol and she explained that they are actually planning to build a monument in uh, the Plata Las Forcas, what I mentioned, the, where the, the gallows, uh, where they hang people. They're also planning to launch um, a guided tour around the, the, the village, explaining the story of, of Serda. I think it's just like an example of what um, institutions at the local level can do to kind of right this historical wrong uh, done to, to women accused of, of being witches. Yeah. Uh, and Sonia, that's something you're, you're seeing across Catalonia, no? Yes, well, after launching, launching the campaign, now we are going to, to different towns when they ask us to do a sort of event and with local historians and we go there, we talk about the magazine, the campaign. And for us, it's, it's amazing having this chance to, to spread the message that we, that we wanted. In fact, uh, the aims of our campaign, if I can explain them, it's... Sure. it's it's the first one is to pardon those those innocent women. I think it's 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 important it's recover their memory without prejudice and dignify them, and and also promoting this sort of acts acts of we call them acts of reparation mm-hmm. or for us it's a lot like if we can do this. And that's of course what institutions can do. But then there's like the social dimension, like how do we change our perception? Um, of history, how do we change the, the, the way we think of about, about witches, so-called <laughs> witches? I don't know. I, I get I get the feeling that it's it's kind of changing the the, the, way, the way people see witches. I, I would say that even from the feminist movement, they, they're kind of reclaiming this this title of oh, no no we are 
proud witches. We are, well, there's even the, the, the famous quote, like, we are the granddaughters of the witches. You could, you could not burn. The whole topic is absolutely fascinating. Can't recommend the magazine enough if you speak Catalan or if you can get your way through it. If you can get your hands on a copy, that is, because it sold out, didn't it? It sold out. It sold but out. now there's, an, there's, there's, you can buy it in our website okay. if you want. Yeah, I think I, I got to know all the newsstands in my neighborhood trying to get one of these copies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm eyeing up your copy here, Alan, so just, <laughs> Just keep a close eye on it, because if you turn your back, you know, it it might not not last. Every week on the programme, we have a Catalan phrase. Sonia, why don't you tell us what it is this week? It's actually the phrase we have to say we've borrowed it from your magazine. Yes. De Sant Hilari, Arbúcies, 12 Cases, 13 Bruixes. Which means, from Sant Hilari to Arbúcies... To Catalan towns. 12 uh, houses... 13 witches. So basically there was a lot of witches. There, there were a witches lot of witches. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Sonia, for coming in. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Alan, as well. Thanks to you, Lurkin. And thanks to Paul Castell, who we heard from earlier, and everyone who's helped out on this week's podcast. We'll be back with another episode of Filling the Sink next week. Until then, keep safe. And from all of us here at Catalan News, Bye for now. Adeu.